Welcome to Holy Savior Sermons, bringing you the weekend sermons given at Holy Savior Church. Well, this morning we continue our series called Change. We talk about change. Again, you know, we asked that question last week, how many of you like to change? And some of you kind of said, yeah, of course you put your hands up. Others of you were more honest. The reality is most of us don't like change. We like things the way they are, unless we don't like the way the things they are, the way they are, then we like them to change. That, that makes sense. Okay. It made sense in my head. I'm going to make sure it made sense when it came out. Well, that's really quick. We're going to define change. We had this definition of change last week. We talk about change. To change is to make something different, to undergo a transformation, a transition, or a substitution. So last week, as we explored one of the parables that Jesus taught, again, a parable, you know, Jesus uses kind of very earthly, everyday things to teach a deeper truth, a deeper spiritual truth. And through that parable of the vineyard and the workers in the vineyard, you know, we learned about change and we learned about God's love and how God's love changes. We said God's love is constantly changing us. God in his love does not leave us where we are. He does not leave us as we are. His love is constantly changing us. So we talk about God's love, you know, we're going to dig into our scripture here in a few moments. And as we do that, you know, let's give you a little background to what's going on here in Mark's gospel. Now, just in case you don't know, there are four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And Mark is a bit different than the other gospels because, one, he doesn't give, you know, a birth story like Matthew and Luke do, or John. John's is different than Matthew and Luke. Mark just jumps right into Jesus' ministry. He has this kind of sense of, go, 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 go. So we start out, John the Baptist, Jesus' cousin, is out in the wilderness preaching this message of repentance. You know, repent and get this baptism of repentance. And get ready because the one that God promised is coming. And then, of course, John, this guy that ate locusts and wild honey. I don't know how many of you are eating locusts right now. No, you don't want to change your diet. Okay. I just, you have the opportunity. You can hear them out there. You know, locusts and wild honey, and then he's arrested. And if you know John's life, later on he's arrested, and he's later beheaded by Herod. But as John is, is initiating this this, this, this Messiah, the promised one is coming, then Jesus appears on the scene again. You know, Mark moves like this. And so now Jesus is on the scene here. And he says the kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God is near. It, it is here right now. So let's read these words, Mark 1. Chapter 1, verse 15, together. We read, The time has come, and God's kingdom is near. Change the way you think and act and believe the good news. Change the way you think and act and believe the good news. So let's kind of take this apart really quick. There's a lot going on here. We're going to kind of just plow through this quickly. The time has come. God's kingdom is near. Well, first of all, when he talks about the time, he's not talking about the time. For those of you who are monitoring how long the sermon is, it's 1043, my watch said. You know, or I can see up there, which if you didn't know that, there's a screen right there. I've been preaching now for three minutes and 35, 36, 37, 38 seconds. You know, the, the time is here, but rather this is the time. This is the moment, the moment that God had promised Really, all the way back from when Adam and Eve sinned against God, and God promised that one of their descendants, one of their seeds, would come and crush the head of the serpent. 
for all the prophets that promised that God was going to send the Messiah, the Savior, the one that would bring freedom to the captives, the one that would suffer, the one that would give life forever, the one that would be the greatest, most powerful expression of God's love, that now is the time. God's kingdom is near. And God's kingdom is another term that's just packed with a lot of stuff. But let's kind of just really condense what that means. God's kingdom ultimately is God's kingly reign. And it's God's kingly reign, yes, the kind of God as the king who reigns everything, but also God's love, God's kingdom of grace, his love for us that we don't deserve. And if you know Jesus at all, if you know from the Gospels, I mean, that's the expression that he gives to us. God's kingdom is here, right here in the flesh, in Jesus. And that he taught of God's love, and that he showed God's love as he forgave people their sins, as he healed the sick, as he raised the dead. The time has come. God's kingdom, God's love, his grace, his mercy, all of his promises in Jesus are here right now. And Jesus says, as part of God's kingdom coming, you need to change the way you think and act and believe the good news. So to change the way you think and act, I mean, most translations have that as repent. You think about repent and what that means. And think about that good news and what that good news is. And here's the truth we're going to land on today. This truth right here is that Jesus' good news changes our lives every day. Jesus' good news, the good news of, of God's love for you, changes your life every day. And some days we really experience that change, and some days we don't always pay much attention that that changing love is there, but that love is there, that love is constant. Jesus' good news changes our lives every day. But as we hear Jesus' call to repent, you know, what does it mean to repent? Well, I would talk about what it means to repent. I'll talk about what I think sometimes we think about when we think about repenting. Like, for example, I've got a couple of images up here for you. This first one here, you know, is the person who maybe is kind of crossing their fingers, hoping that they, you know, don't get caught. Have you ever done that before? You know, like when you're zipping down the interstate, and you see the police officer, state trooper there, and you slow down now to just like three or four miles below the speed limit, and you, like, cross your fingers and hope. You didn't get caught. Anyone else do that? Yes, I usually hear you laughing, so I know more of you do that than just me. <laughs> Not that I ever go that fast, but you know, you're kind of like, oh, what do you got? You know, or you know, when you were a kid and, and you were trying to, you got away with something, and you hope mom and dad don't find out, right? I mean, how many of you got away with stuff? Don't admit it if mom and dad are sitting by you, though, because they're going to ask you, what would you get away with? If, you're, if they're sitting by you right now, you say, you say nothing, nothing, you know everything. You know, or, or like, I, I don't know if you've seen this video here. This has kind of gone viral on social media and the news. I love this picture of this little boy here. Because if you've seen it, what had happened is his dad is asking him a question. His dad is saying, did you eat the cupcakes? And you know what he's saying? No. Did you eat the cupcakes? No. Are you sure? No. I don't know if you've ever done that before. I mean, but it's obvious, if you can't see from that picture, he's got frosting all over his face, which you can't see, he's got frosting like on his hands, and it looks like he just planted his face right in the cupcakes. 
And sometimes we think about repentance as like, well, when I've been caught, then I'm going to, you know, admit it. Then I'm going to confess. Then I'll be sorry when I really know that I'm in trouble. And we, if we're honest, we've probably all done that before too, haven't we? We've been caught. The frosting is on our face. It's obvious that we've been doing something or saying or thinking something we shouldn't have been saying, doing, or thinking. We're maybe, you know, uh, under the threat of getting in trouble. So now, now we'll confess. Now we'll be honest. But repentance is much more than that. That call that Jesus gives us to repent is not just saying, I'm sorry. It's, it's understanding that we sinned. But as we think about it, too, one of the ways that we sometimes think about repentance, this is a, is a dangerous one, and it's very subtle, is we sometimes think of repentance as transactionary. Do you know what transactionary means? It means you, there's a transaction. Like, I give you this, you give me that. So, and, and, and we're careful because the way that the scriptures speak, it could sound like this, but you have to be careful making it what it's not. And sometimes we make repentance sound like, well, God... I have to repent to get your forgiveness. You know what we've done there is we've done exactly what Paul says. God's grace, his forgiveness is not. It's not a work. We are saved by grace. God's forgiveness is given to us freely by what Jesus has done for us. The transaction that happens, that gives us, that offers us, that assures us that we are forgiven, that all of your sins, my sins, that not one of them God holds on to, the transactionary moment was at the cross, when Jesus was bleeding, when he was struggling for each and every breath, and as he breathed his last breath and died and gave up his spirit, that is the transaction that assures us, that assures you, you are forgiven. For more information about Holy Savior, including service times and location, please visit holysavior.org. Thanks for listening, and until next time, God bless.